Ian. Dave. How you doing, buddy? I am doing great, especially because we have a guest tonight. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as people know, like I did this September, I did the 24 hours of lemons, uh, true 24 hour race at a high plains raceway, uh, with, uh, the dirty racers team. And they're so named because, uh, they have a, a history of, of racing in rally cross and rally. So dirty, they're literally dirty, not like push you off the track. It's a pun. It's a pun, Dave. Do you get it? I, I may have blacked out there for a moment, but I think I get it. <laughs> Dave, famous lover of puns. Yep, yep. Um, uh, but so yeah, who, our, who are we talking to, Ian? We're going to talk to Brian Cather, who's our like, who's the the team owner. He's the he's the owner of the truck that we raced in, and kind of the team leader. Um, and you know, he it was at all of our first like twenty four for full twenty four hour race, uh, and he did a great job as team leader he has a lot of uh kind of like hard learned mechanical knowledge about that truck and in general and then you know the local racing scene um so i'm super excited to talk to him that's awesome yeah i am too yeah because it sounded like a blast at the event i'm still really sorry that i couldn't go and i'm looking forward to the next one but yeah let's yeah. uh let's cut to our interview with brian I've owned three race cars that could be Lemons cars. Uh, two of them have competed, and one of them I sold to a team, and they said they were going to come out last June. And um, I mean, I wouldn't take that car on a racetrack. But it was a, a an older E28 that was. I got it street legal, and I drove it on the road to go to a rallycross event, and it was like the sketchiest drive. I was like, I maybe it was an alignment thing, but like. To go a hundred on the back straight at a, at high plains in that car, I'm just like, I wouldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad they bought the car. They got it for like eight hundred, so it was within the spirit. Um, and I took the seats out of it, but they got a they got an E36 limited slip differential with that car, which I regret not having time to to rip that out as well. <laughs> they got yeah. their money's worth. Nice. Um, no, so so lemons uh, started. Uh, I moved to Colorado. I was familiar with lemons. I tried to prep uh, an Eagle Talon in the past, and that oh, yeah. that kind of flopped a little bit. I got yeah. halfway through an engine swap, which means the engine bay was empty for two years. Um, and then I traded an old rusted uh, Fox Body Mustang for a Circle Track Neon, um, and the Neon was actually race ready. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I learned that <clears throat> just because it's race ready for Circle Track doesn't mean it was like lemons ready. So I spent um, a couple years like prepping it for lemons. I ended up rally crossing it for three years and doing one lemons event in it. Um, we blew a head gasket. We overheated it. <laughs> so, uh, but the the theme was a uh, Subaru um, because I rally crossed it for three years uh, and it was like it broke nothing while I was rally crossing it. It was just super reliable. Nice. Um, I was racing with all these Subarus. And I was like, you know, rally, rally cross. Um, so I painted it like the, the classic Subaru theme, blue. And I tried to like color match um, Rust-Oleum, like navy blue and sail blue somewhere in the middle. Uh, and then I got um, yellow stickers from Latvia that, that, that made it look like the proper Subaru livery. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's pictures on, on 
Facebook if you want to edit those in. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was a monster in the dirt, which was fantastic. And I had a couple people where I fooled, like, they'd come up to me and they're like, does that have the 2.2 two or the 2.5 in it? And I'm like, this is, this is a neon, man. It's not a super. <laughs> um, my buddy and fellow driver, uh, Jonathan Nagel, um, inherited that car after I tried doing a PT Cruiser swap in it. Um, oh, okay. I got too new of a donor. And so all of the, the sensors were wrong. All the wiring harness was wrong. And so I got like the engine swap part done and failed to get it. I got it running for one day and then I left for a trip. And when I came back, it never ran and it rained the entire time I was gone. So I think it was like some crazy electrical issue. But That's a um, tough lesson to learn. Like, yeah, like getting the too new of an engine. Right? Yeah, it was. Um, and it was like one year after the, the change. Ah, that the cusp. Huh? And like you learn so much before you buy the donor you you plan it all out and right. you just somehow miss that one little detail um same thing with the truck actually um we got a 1997 donor if we had gotten a 98 or a 99 donor we would have had like a way better wiring harness and a way way better pcm um they had a one year that like nobody can tune and that was 1997. <laughs> oh, no. um, so we we went through that heartache as well and i did research joe right. did research joe's my other teammate on lemons and you know you figure that out yeah man so, okay so um, let's yeah let's back up and, and talk about the how you got into lemons in the first place and then how you came to own the s10 yeah because you, your background is all rally and rallycross right and he'll kind of yeah i moved to colorado to race and to ski okay. and to rock climb, which I don't do anymore. Um, but when I lived in Virginia, Maryland, DC, I was aware of lemons cause I'm a child of the internet and like these things pop up on YouTube. Um, I went to see a lemons race, like to spectate it. It's summit point. It was the same weekend as a, um, grid life event oh yeah there you go okay yeah, that's so like, all the cultures all at got once got to spectate both of them and yeah. they were they they split uh summit point uh like grid life got 90 percent of it and then lemons got the shenandoah circuit which is this little tiny thing in the corner and um and so i got to spectate both of them um there was a car that was racing there called a turtle uh eclipse of my heart which yes. they're still running they play the music the entire time. They have a large <laughs> uh, turtle sandbox on top of their roof. Uh, on DSM, of course. Uh -huh. uh, it's, it's a it's an eclipse, and um, fantastic team. Um, they don't post much on like Instagram or anything, but they're they're there, and uh, it's still one of my favorite cars. But that's how I got into it, um, and I started like truly like getting on Craigslist and like looking for like five hundred dollar potential race cars, Civics and stuff like that, um, and. The journey started uh it was a long journey um the s10 i saw at the track they were at the event um when i had the knee on there and yes there it is turtle <laughs> eclipse of the heart yeah okay. yeah and okay. um so they were they were the s10 was at the event uh when i had the knee on there um and it turns out that they didn't prep the truck very well I, I didn't really interact with them. I remember seeing it and being like, that's a cool looking truck. 
I wish I had one of those. A, a three fifty swapped S ten sounds like the best idea in the world. Right. And I, wish I had a truck like that. And it showed up on Facebook Marketplace in the in the Lemons group for um, I don't know, thirty five hundred. And I contacted the guy the same day and I was like, I'll come buy this. And he's like, All right, well I have a bunch of other people that have offers. Are you gonna race it in Lemons and like keep it going? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. He's like, Okay, I'll I'll hold it for you. Cool. Um and so I came and picked it up and uh, we loaded it up on the trailer. Uh, it had snowed an inch or two and the truck was still on like 200 treadwear tires and we were trying to get it out of his angle driveway onto my kind of sketchy trailer and there was no traction to be had whatsoever. So like I wasn't comfortable driving it. So I had him in the driver's seat and I was like helping him, like I was pushing the rear end so it wouldn't slide off the side of the trailer as we were pulling it up the rims and it did it totally did um he just like tried to like goose it and it just like slipped straight off um, oh, no yeah uh it's an appropriate amount of sketch for 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 its life yeah yeah um so then i owned the race truck uh what was that that was winter so we raced it in june um so you bought it last year? Two years ago. So year before COVID. Okay. Um, and I tried to do, like, I had a pretty good idea of, like, prep it, test it, run it. And in testing, I didn't have any gauges. I it had a, an automatic and I had never raced with an automatic before. And so like it had this weird thing where you could like switch it in the manual and the, like shift gears with a little shifter. And so I was like, I, I don't even know what RPMs I'm going. So I'm just going to play by ear and go out and test it. And I started to get real competitive in this testing. And I was like, kept keeping up with like a Datsun two, 240Z or something like that. I weren't one of the older cars and they're like, Oh man, your truck's really fast. Went out for the second session and uh, we we're at PPIR and, um, I turned the block into Swiss cheese. Um, <laughs> really? The thing, about, the thing about PPIR is the infield is it's like an autocross course. And then you go up into the outfield, which is, right. uh, or, or, or the actual course. And it's a big circle. Well, you spend so much time doing tight turns on the infield. I went to do the final turn to go into the circle. And so it's wide open throttle and I must've been starving it for many seconds of oil uh many seconds starving out of oil and so the thing just um grenaded and it was the first time i've ever blown up an engine <laughs> okay okay but you know i pulled off to the side and yeah i had like my little trail of oil and uh we we popped the hood and sure enough yeah that we could see through the side of the engine and stuff like oh, that wow. uh, pictures of that too and this was like a month before the lemons event the first one that i'd ever run with this truck and so uh, call up someone named Andy Moss, who is, some people know him in Denver. He, he has kind of a, a, a private junkyard, if you will. And I was like, hey, Andy, I need a 350. Uh, what do you have? He's like, yeah, I have this, uh, this Roadmaster. I already pulled the transmission out of it. It would be perfect for you. I'll, I'll charge you a, a dollar per cubic inch. So 350 bucks, but you have to take the Roadmaster, pull it, and bring me the Roadmaster back because I want to scrap that. Okay. All right, Andy, whatever. And so, uh, we, we pulled this really crappy, um, Roadmaster 350 out of it. And, uh, which 
had like the worst heads in the world. Um, and we installed it and we ran in June, um, two years ago, we used the same engine to run this June. And then, uh, we had a carb, uh, Edelbrock carb and, and it was running like 10 AFR, like stupidly rich. And right. we think it had like less than a hundred horsepower. And so then we, between June and September, when, when Ian joined us, we did an EFI swap. Oh, nice. So, oh, okay. so that's the same engine then. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, that engine. So when I blew up the, <laughs> when I blew up the engine at PPIR, um, we kept the heads because the heads were mostly okay. Oh, but yeah. I could see that one valve was bent or one or two valves were like bent, like they weren't sitting in the same spot as the others. And then we weren't sure about the rest of them. Um, so what we did before in between June and September, not only did we get a donor, which we ended up not using the engine for, um, we used like the, the intake and the EFI, the top of the engine. Um, we used the old heads that were on the truck when I first bought it and then the Roadmaster block. So okay. gotcha. we did like do all the tests on the heads and sure enough, like two cylinders weren't holding liquid. Like they, they drained out immediately. So we replaced valves, lapped them. Um, we had some lifters that like were just collapsed. So Joe, like in his infinite wisdom, he was like, hey, like I'm gonna like do all this stuff. And uh, background information, Joe's an engineer. So he's a really great person to have on the team, but he's an engineer. So like usually right. time, timelines and timeframes like go from like one week to like one month because he wants to do things in detail. And so he's like working on the engine, like, I don't know, maybe I, I, I took the night off to go grocery shopping, do laundry, like the one night a week that, that I didn't work on the truck. And he's, he's taking apart the lifters and I'm like, Joe, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, no, 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 like, look, this is the before, this is the after they were like, feel it. And, and he showed me one of the crappy ones and I was like, okay, you're right. Good, good. You know? So we ended up doing all this like really detailed stuff extending out our timeline for testing and stuff like that. And I kept, I like recruited Ian by this point and six, you know, six other drivers. And I kept like saying, okay, we're testing on this day. And, you know, a couple of days before the test day would come up and one of them would text me. He was like, Hey, are we still doing this? And I was like, no, the engine's not in the truck. <laughs> it's unlikely. And it, every single, I, I must've had like 12 test days planned out and we got to like the third to the last one when we were actually ready to like put the truck on the trailer. Um, and then we did that and the slave, the, the clutch slave, um, I installed it wrong. Um, the fork didn't go on or the, the, the pin on the clutch slave didn't go onto the fork. It went like right next to it. And so we, we like reassembled the truck. We were working late to get it all ready. It was ready to go on the trailer. We're doing like really minor stuff and we had to get it on the trailer by like nine, 9 PM. And I, I go to load it on the trailer and the clutch is just stiff. Oh, oh no. And, and I'm like, Oh, are we going to have to take the transmission off? Like, what did I do? You know, I, I installed that clutch like a month before that. I just never touched the clutch pedal. Right. I didn't need to, it was up on jack stands. So it was, uh, just oh, stuff man. like that. 
It does does like all of this mechanical stuff come from like family history, self-taught, YouTube? Give me uh, give me some background there. Yeah, YouTube. Um, okay. It all came. I mean, my dad's into cars, but he said a couple of years ago, like I'd call him for help, and he's like, "Hey, man, like you've surpassed me. You're doing crazy <laughs> stuff that I would never dig into." Yeah. Um, but it all came like all all of this racing stuff came from visiting my dad and doing a solo event, an uh, autocross event. Um, okay. And in his RSX type S. And oh, you know, yes. it, had, like, it had like the bolt on coil over kits that you can like assemble yourself. And he had done like a proper alignment cause he's an engineer too. And okay. so the car was, the car was nice, but he, he hadn't done stuff like this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. YouTube and I watch trial, like trial and error. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trial yeah. and error. Um, I'm in a shop with three other guys and they're all mechanically inclined. So if we need to borrow tools, we can. Nice. Um, it, I mean, it's all just parts and pieces, right? Like that, like just yeah. having that mindset that like it can come apart and it can go back together. Right. Like, and it's kind of like you, you do every job for the first time once. Right. Right. And at some point in time you've, repaired an entire car or you're you're pretty close i remember thinking i've done everything but a transmission yeah like ticking off like yeah right. yeah yeah and so you you think about the car as a whole like an e36 as a whole and you're like yeah i, I did the, I, I replaced the head on that i i did take the transmission off because i had to do the clutch so i'm pretty familiar with that brakes and suspension yeah those have been off before and so you start thinking like okay what's left right yeah so yeah, su suspension and brake work for me. Like I've never done brakes myself, you know. Really? I mean, longer list for Ian, but he's well, okay. he supplements with driving talent <laughs> and baking. He, he and, baking. and baking, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he brought he brought great food. Ian That's... was awesome uh, for for bringing food. Thank you. I, I'm yeah. very happy that someone could experience Ian and his Ian-ness. Yeah. The only, uh, the only injury I got in the weekend was that I cut myself while I was making those scones, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very like on brand thing for me to do. Like I'm doing this kind of dangerous thing and like I hurt myself making scones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so how is it having our dandy boy on the team? Yeah. It was, it was great because Ian's done this before. A lot of times I, I recruit, from the people I know, right? Um, and that pool is generally kind of rally cross guys and maybe some hill climb guys, great drivers. Um, they've done like track days, but they've never done like wheel to wheel racing and they are not really in like lemons culture. Right. So having Ian come to work on the truck for the, the couple times that he did, he was, he had like beer and coffee in hand. And I was like, this guy, this guy gets it. Right. <laughs> well, I felt I had to supplement for my lack of mechanical ability. So <laughs> I, well, was, uh, I was making up. Yeah. He was also great because we'd give him projects and a lot of time, like race car stuff, it's not like bolt this to that. It's like make this thing. Figure out how to blank, right? Yeah. Package yeah. this in this area and it should function as such. Figure that out. And so Ian started with his cardboard CAD. And uh, what, what were you making? You you cut up a lot of cardboard for that project. <laughs> yeah, um, I I made a couple of things with the cardboard. Uh, basically, I was in charge of 
I was like the home ec teacher. Like I did arts and crafts <laughs> and baking, and that was my and and food prep. That was my uh, that was my role on the team. I made the I remember I made the shroud for the dash that we couldn't end, we ended up not using. Yeah, um, that's that's a lot of a lot of things with race car. Man, I, yeah. I I spend so much time on on stuff with the truck, and then like the next day, Joe takes it apart. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you have to go there just to come back, right? Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, and well, then race car prep is a lot of home ec. It's a lot of like arts and crafts with metal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was, it was awesome. I loved working on it with you guys. It was, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited to hopefully continue doing that. Um, yeah. And I'd love so, to crew for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. We're typically a package deal, but it just landed on a bad day for, for me, but yeah. 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 Yeah, we usually show up arm in arm like the kids from The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> With matching t-shirts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. 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 You know, uh Joe does YouTube streaming, but he only does that cuz nobody else steps up to do it. So if mm-hmm. you guys want to take on the technology of that and kind of inherit that, that yeah, we'll have you and Yeah, I, I will say man, the having the 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 video feed from the car was was really really great because i i learned a lot about like my line and stuff from watching the other drivers and like oh especially watching joe because he he's kind of like he's pretty fast actually and like his his line was radically different than mine um so i started trying to like incorporate some of his lines into into my laps later on in the race which was really cool I remember oh, you were you were driving, and I remember saying to the other people, I was, or I think it was you, it was, it was one of the other drivers, and I remember saying, like, can the mic hear the squeal of the tires? And they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, uh, I don't hear them. And and they're like, yeah, we can hear them squealing in every turn you go into. And I was like, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, your your onboard was so much fun because you just you very much just like throw it in the corner super fast and like okay, let's see when the understeer stops and then we go. You know, I trail break into corners in a pretty radical fashion. I, I don't have like the smooth in, smooth out, smooth input. Like I, I know being smoother is faster, uh-huh. but I I enjoy hucking it into the corner. I, I like making the truck dance, um, both with understeer and oversteer, um, as much as I can. And and I I know the line at high plane, so I'm comfortable like going into turns faster than most drivers and knowing like, oh, I need to, if I can't make this point in this turn, if it's continuing to slide out, I know I need to lift. And then when I lift, I'm gonna get that weight transfer and it it'll it'll connect. But right. I know I'm not going to go off the edge, and uh, I can I can truly um, lift just to get that apex, and then keep keep right on on it. That may I mean it makes sense. With you're you know you're talking about you trail brake a lot. That makes sense that you know once the rear brakes failed, <laughs> that that was difficult, right? Like that made that yeah line a yeah. little more hard, right? Yeah. Well, and driving at night too. So yeah. Uh, background information. 24-hour race, noon to noon, at about midnight, maybe 10 o'clock, we lost rear brakes. Right. They started leaking out of the passenger, I'm sorry, the driver rear caliper, like 
we pulled the truck off during a driver change and we looked at them and, and the inside of the wheel well was wet and okay. I could see where it was coming from the caliber. Nothing we could do about it. I didn't have that specific spare. And in this race, if you're working on the truck, you're not getting laps. Yep. So even if we could fix it, we had to make a decision, lose the laps or fix the truck. And the way that the reservoir was, we would lose 90% of the fluid out of the rear, but we keep that 10% where it would like pick up the fluid for the front brakes. And so we would have no pedal until the piston reached basically the floor or, okay. or the, the, the master cylinder would, would reach the end of it. And then it would engage the fronts, but you didn't get much like gradient there. It was like kind of an on off switch. And with the fronts, their Corvette front brakes, like they're fantastic. <laughs> and so it, you would get half a G of stopping force, which is like half of what you expect even in a street car. And then the front tires would lock. So I don't care where your front wheel is turned, you're going straight <laughs> right. at a rapid pace, whatever pace you were going before, you're going to continue at that pace. And so if you didn't put in your braking early with no rear brakes, you would just slide straight off the track. And I was the, I think I was the only one that did that, but I did it three times. Well, I mean, you were the, you were kind of the one who learned that the brakes were gone, right? Like you were, I would think it was you going in. Yeah, Joe got right in right before me and he was like, hey guys, the brakes are soft. And I was in before him mm -hmm. and I was like, no, they're not. Like they were fine when I when I gave the truck, like I, I gave it to someone else, I think Radic. Yeah. And then Joe reported that they were soft and I was like, okay. So then I got in after Joe and this was while everybody was sleeping. So we we're just trying to keep the truck going at yeah. this point, like um, keep it occupied, if you will. And, uh, and then I got it and I was like, oh, they're for sure not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is bad. This is very yeah. bad. <laughs> and on, on a driver change after me, I checked the reservoir. I popped it off while we were refueling at the pumps instead of in the hot pits. And it was empty, like mm -hmm. except for that little puddle for the front. And, um, and yeah, I, I went off. And like when you go off, you have to report to the judges. You get black flagged. And so they, they don't like when you go off. It's... Um, a safety issue for them. They're concerned, you know, sure, right? Sure. They're concerned for their event. They're concerned for you. Um, and so you have to like explain to them like, oh, I, I made this mistake. I understand the mistake. And when they see that you're level headed, they send you back out or they make you take some time by like solving some puzzle or doing some dumb activity. Um, <laughs> I love lemons. So I, <laughs> you're right. I couldn't go in and be like, I made this mistake because my trucks unsafe because right. <laughs> I want to like continue racing and I'm like basically making poor judgment you know decisions poor decisions poor judgment and uh and so I'm like I'm tired it's like six o'clock in the morning we're gonna do a driver change and they're like all right well you went off twice so your team can't go off anymore go tell your other drivers not to go off and I'm like okay cool and so so we we didn't get punished or we didn't get like banned from the track but the truck was absolutely not a race car at that point um, right Right. Yeah, it it definitely I, I think I told you like right at the end of the weekend that like it was I, I I did three stints in it and I felt like I drove a different truck every time because it would just it was changing throughout the weekend. You know, it was very different. And like that last stint was it was like every pedal input was an adventure because you didn't know exactly what was going to happen with either the throttle or the brake. That's true. 
um, which made it hard to like pick a breaking point. You know, like wait, well, I don't know. Here looks at good. That, at that point, there was some below like three thousand RPM. There was some hesitation, some miss, or mm -hmm. some cylinder that wasn't firing, and then you get above three thousand, and it would turn on. And so he's right. Yeah, even the throttle pedal was variable in what would happen depending on where you were on the track and what gear you were in. Um, we're like losing oil pressure too. I, I haven't diagnosed that yet, by the way. Uh, if, if you want to, Ian, if you want to spend some time at the garage, I haven't touched the truck. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was wondering. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Joe was. I think Joe was speculating that the oil was getting trapped in the head and not, not returning. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's true for small blocks in general. He's out, he's talking about rebuilding the second engine and drilling holes on the side of the engine in the top and the bottom of every corner, all four corners of the engine, and running an external AN line mm -hmm. so that your oil, like if you're like going around a high deep corner and all the oil comes up into the head, it will stay there. Like these engines are just built in the way that like there's a couple holes throughout the engine, but they're kind of in the wrong spot and you'll oil starve your engine because everything's up in the heads. And so you like circle track cars and um, cars that, that, that run on road courses, they have external oil lines so that if oil goes to the corner, it can come down back into the pan. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. Which is, I've never heard of that modification. I've also never Me seen neither. Um, kind of unique. I think to the type of racing and the type of engine. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't do that on a Honda, right? <laughs> that would right. be very nerve wracking tapping the block for that, uh, threaded. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, that's really cool. What, uh, what do you think? What are the, well, let's, let's, what other, uh, thoughts do you have about the, 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 the way the weekend went? Do you think like you're, how was it being a, a, a team like runner, an owner for a 24 hour race? Like what was like the degree of difficulty difference between like the two day race format and the 24 hour? Two day races are really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, the 24 hour was difficult because um, one of our drivers had some back pain and mm -hmm. didn't feel comfortable getting in the truck. He, he so he, kind of picked up the role as being like team leader when I wasn't around or just honestly team leader when I wasn't capable. Um, that was great in the capacity that I needed a second person to help manage the team. Um, having five drivers over 24 hours is significantly different than six. It, especially in the middle of the night, it was difficult to find enough people awake to be present to watch what was happening, monitor it, yeah. um, help refuel and drive. And so keeping people in the truck near the end of the night, I was like, I'm going to get back in because people are still asleep and our schedule's kind of blown with like this other driver dropping. We need to pick up stints. And so it's very different. Like with the eight hours and six hours, which is like the normal lemon schedule, you know, I'm like, okay, if we're going to do each driver gets a stint each day, that's how we work it out. Um, right. We do, you know, two hour stints the first day, hour and a half stint the, the next day, and it just works nicely. Everybody gets their seat time, everybody's happy, everybody's rested, and, and, and everybody enjoys the event. With this, it was like, 
uh, who do I put in next? Right. Like who, who do I punish for with more seat time? It, it almost right. felt that way. I, I, I was super psyched to get three stents in. I thought I was like, uh, yeah, this is great. But, and also like, you know, there was a little bit of an element of like, we didn't, the truck had some issues in the first day that we came in to, to solve. And then also like, we didn't, we weren't really, didn't have our fuel um, yeah. timing really nailed down. So that was another big learning curve. I know that like I came in early on my first and earlier than I should have in retrospect. As did I. Yeah. yeah. And so, so did Radic, uh, yeah. another driver. Um, we didn't have the data. So, so we, we also like, we set up a, a fuel, it's a capacitive sender. Um, and it, based on how much fuel is covering it, it, it'll send a different voltage to the gauge. Um, in fuel cells, the fuel sloshes all over the place. So any either float or capacitive sender is going to be highly inaccurate. And so we try and designed a, a, a box within a box to, to get a bunch of fuel into the uh, surge tank is what we call the inner box. And it holds about a gallon. And as long as, you know, the capacitive sender doesn't read below 40%, then you're still pulling in into the surge tank. Well, that was all in theory, you know, um, in practice, it was bouncing all over the place. And it was kind of like, if you took the average, it was kind of accurate, but we weren't sure, like, if it hit 20, was it actually 20? Or were we okay, and we could stay out for another 45 minutes? Like, we just had no idea. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that was, that was, uh, a challenge, but we kind of get around, got around it by just having shorter, shorter stints. And I think it ended up averaging out. I think everyone did about an hour and a half uh, yeah. to, to two hours anyway. Um, so it kind of worked out. It did. Um, our competition for, for the record, the, the guys that won class C, we got third in class C, um, the guys that won it, they got fifth overall. So it was like class Amazing. A, class A, class wow. A, class C. Um, they did very well, and they're running three-hour stints. So they had a fuel cell in an old. It was a Subaru, uh, an old Subaru Legacy. So I would assume four cylinders, and they were just like going round and round. As they they were like off pace. They were like fifteen seconds slower than us mm. on average, and we I was passing them multiple times in my stint, like pretty frequently. And they just had three hour stints. So they must have had a massive fuel cell on the back of that. Um, wow. When you win class C or when you win your class, you get bumped up in the next one. So they'll never be in class C again. Um, good for them for winning. Um, we get to be class C again. So <laughs> yeah. we're okay getting third. Um, we get to fight another day, if you will. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, podium finish, man. Yeah. yeah. It, it's also a testament to like th making the decision to keep the truck out there with dodgy brakes just because you're, you need to keep turning laps, right? Like just like the Subaru, just yeah. stay out, keep turning laps. Like the fact that they were 15 seconds slower per lap than you guys and still won yeah. the class. That's And fifth overall, that's it, like, what better data do you need to stay out? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, so we're, we're fifth in our class. We're 13th overall. And that's out of like 65 cars. Um, all the class A cars, all the class B cars and class C cars, of course. Um, so we're proud of that. Um, yeah. And that was like, we were, 
we were like between 10th and 13th for like the last 12 hours. We slowly dropped into 13th, but um, it was great to see the truck kind of, you know, with, with each like competitor above and below us to either like go within the same lap and kind of go toe to toe with them. And then sometimes they'd pass us, sometimes we'd pit, sometimes they'd pit. And so it was, it was fun to watch that both on the, um, on the live feed because because we had the, the the YouTube video going and then also with the the live standings we were able to kind of watch them side by side it was a lot of fun even in the pits yeah it, my wife and I watched a bunch of the live stream and like she like she never watches racing I barely ever watch racing well, yeah. under duress basically and like she was like yelling at the other cars <laughs> like yeah she was into it man yeah like, that's awesome yeah what, what, what time of day about did, did you guys watch uh we watched Ian and then we watched uh it was I think um on Sunday right yeah we watched Saturday and Sunday Ian. Oh, okay. come on man yeah. yeah my boys out there racing we're gonna watch yeah <laughs> I was, I asked what time of day, cause I was curious on like how well the truck was doing, you know, like gotcha. if you'd watch the first four stints of the race, you know, the first eight hours, like, yeah, yeah man, that, that would have been fun to watch. And then if you were watching like on Sunday, I'm, eh, okay, we're, we were keeping it going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was Dave or one of the other people that I had sent the link to, but somebody texted me asking like, is the truck okay? That, that right? was me. Is that yeah. Right? It was you. Okay. Yeah. No. Is yeah. it running okay? No. Um, yeah. 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 No. And we had like less power um, halfway through the event too. Uh, so going into the event, we knew actually we had rebuilt the engine most of the way. Like we were most of the way done. We 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 put the heads back on and we did a uh, a leak down test. And eight was giving us low leak down numbers, and so we knew that eight wasn't healthy as we were putting the engine back together. And so we, we did a couple diagnostic things and we learned that the oil rings weren't sealing. And so we knew going into the event, we're going to have a ton of blow by, we're going to have a ton of oil in our catch can and we don't have great comp compression in cylinder eight. So it's not going to fire healthy. And so that's fine. We ran the event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and finished, I mean, finished. Yeah. And, you, know, you ran the truck for 24 hours. But by the end of the event, I don't know if there were seven cylinders firing. <laughs> um, right now, there's a bunch of stuff on the hood from like when we took everything out of uh, it was a, a Diego's bourbon. Basically, mm -hmm. all the stuff that um, he towed the truck and, and all, all the race stuff home. And I just piled it in the bed of the truck and on the hood and stuff. And so I haven't even gotten the hood open since the event. Well, there's um, a very important thing on the hood. Yes. Still. Yeah. Trophy. So, that's still sitting on the hood, yeah. And um, so that's explanation there. Index of effluency is, uh, or IOE, is the highest award you can win in lemons. Um, as the judges describe it, it's uh, making the most with the least. And it's the spirit of lemons in the sense that, like, you bring the oldest, most obscure, or most hopeless vehicle, and you do surprisingly well. Um, they... This truck has a history of not doing well, both with the previous owner um, who showed up with like half a roll cage and just uh. um, a bunch of really poor race prep. And then I got it 
and there were just like mechanical issues. You know, we, we kept bringing the truck in, we kept, you know, it wasn't running right. And so this was the first event that it really just stayed out on the track. And I was surprised. They kind of described loosely our experience with the truck um, as they do. They're automotive journalists, so they'll tell whatever story they'll tell. And so as they're describing this winner of the IOE and their their experience with their vehicle and their experience over the weekend, I'm like, I mean, that, that doesn't sound like it's not us, but I wonder who this IOE winner is. And then they said our, our racing team name, and I was like, Oh, we won IOE. Oh, very cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and nice. I was really excited and really surprised. Um, yeah, right really on. Proud. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, they were really laying it on thick. And I was like, man, who is this poor team that's <laughs> like got such a crap can? And then they, yeah. and they said, oh, so I was like, oh, well, okay. That <laughs> yeah, it, it all kind of, you connect the dots and you're like, yeah, I mean, those, those were kind of true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. It was, I, I don't know. I, I love the, I, I don't know. I built, I think for endurance racing because I just love the like strategy of like, do we, you know, like when I came in on the overnight stop and it was like, Hey, we're losing oil pressure. Do you want us to keep running or not? You know? And yeah. like that calculation of like, do we take time to diagnose this or do we just send it? Um, and the call was to send it. That's great. Okay, let's do it. Um, <laughs> but it, that's a calculation that you have to make, right? Like it's it's a uh, it's more to me. It's more interesting than like uh, you know doing like a one lap you know, as, as fast as you can. Yeah, and, and also having that evening pause, right? Like that overnight right. pause between two day races, right? Right. Well, it's that's that's interesting because a lot of the lemons judges don't prefer twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, they prefer the eight hours and the six hours because as far as lemons goes, they want the heroic fix. They want people to not give up. And so if you break down and you have a spare engine, but you know it's going to take you eight hours to swap it in and you're doing this 24-hour race, you might choose to pack up and go home. Right. Whereas yeah. if you break down and you lose like an hour of racing, you spend the night wrenching you know, up to your elbows in grease in the paddock and you can take the green flag the next day, that's one, more attainable, and two, it's more likely that people are going to do that, and, and they do. Um, the Neon uh, did run at the event with us, uh, captained by Jonathan Nagel, who inherited the Neon from me. And <laughs> poor guy, he's run that Neon at two events, and he's um, gone through two engines that were both absolutely zero miles brand new. Whoa. Yeah. Usually, like, at this race, it was, like, a lack of gauges. Like, he was cooking the thing up to 270. Oh. Uh, oil yeah. loves that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, if, if Joe was on the team, right, you know, the engineer that, like, makes my one-week time frame into one month. But the great thing about Joe is we have uh, streaming uh, data acquisition where we can view it in the pits. Um, there's safety lights that blink and siren when you lose oil pressure um there's gauges everywhere and a computer next to you that'll tell you the same thing as the gauges because that's the, so great know. and so like if the neon had that they'd be more successful so i value the things that the truck does have because i see their failures and i'm like oh man thank you joe for putting this together 
because we can monitor this. Even if the driver is not looking down at every straight to see what his oil temps and, and cooling temps are, we can see it and we can radio in and say, hey, cut that, cut that out. Um, this race, Ian, you saw a little bit less of that. It was less operational. <laughs> um, yeah. We didn't get the truck tuned before the event either. That was another thing that would have been a nice to have, but was on Joe's plate. Um, with race car prep on our team, it's stuff I can do and then stuff Joe has to do. Right. And we try and segment the work that way. Like Joe's like, hey, what do you want me to work on? I'm like, what can't I do? Right. Go, go right. do that. Right. Yep. That makes sense. Divide and conquer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, so I want to talk about the the plans for the truck moving forward. Like, you know, I'm guessing that June is probably the next event. But before we do that, I want to play uh, a quick game. So we play a game on the show called FMK Cars. And it's basically, it's based on the classic game of Fuck, Mary Kill. So we play with cars <laughs> instead of people. Um, and so basically, we're going to give you three cars. You're going to assign FMK. You're going to pick one that you're going to drive for a day. That's F. You're going to um, you're going to pick one for Mary. That's your new daily driver. And you're going to kill one. It's going to go to the crusher. Okay. All right. So this one is called the affluency. It is indexed. These are past IOE winners. So these are the three previous IOE winners to us. Um, in in 24 hours of lemons so the ioe for doing time in joliet was a 1967 ford fairlane all right okay let's see if see if google gets us a good image here okay there you go yeah okay wow look at that yeah all right, all right. next one uh, was the GP Dulac Charga Gaga 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 Chrysler Cordoba? Cordoba. Oh, wow. Okay. Cordoba. And you can even have you don't even have to do the lemons version. You can do like as they came off the the showroom. So we'll do that. This is the rich Corinthian leather car, right? It is the rich Corinthian leather car. Nice. Correct. Ricardo yes. Montalban. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then from the Pacific Northwest, a 1997 Mercury Grand Marquis. Oh, yeah. You got like three boats to choose from. Just Yeah. Yeah, very similar. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Look at Is that. Is that fine. a Panther? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Here you go. Dub it out. Get some wheels and get, get it in mint green. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, into it. From the golden age of American cars, the late '90s. So it's it's Daily Thrash and then Lemons Racer. No, it's so it's 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 Daily Thrash for a day, kill it. He goes to the crusher. One of these uh, is going to have to go to the crusher. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You go, should, should I go first? I'll go first, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. This is for you. Yeah. Oh man, I love the vertical headlights. Right. Was it was it that generation? Because that's that's I'm I'm dailing that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. This is the '67 Ford Fairlane. Yeah. You've seen the fury that I have at the lot. The only reason I have it is because it has the two vertical headlights on on each side, and 100. Yeah. It's like um the, the GTO. It, it looks right. like a GTO, but it's longer. 
Um, I love that. And I love like the art deco Buick Riviera, like vertical headlights. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I would daily the Ford Fairlane. Okay. Um, You've got a Mercury Grand Marquis and a Chrysler Cordoba at your disposal. I think you just have to pick which one would be most hilarious to rally cross, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we, we get um, Panther platforms that come out to rally cross because they're, um, they're really popular in uh, the Gambler. And yeah. so every once in a while we get Gambler cars that come out and they're all like spray painted and stuff like that. And they do good. They're usually on like street tires. Um, I'd probably rally cross that one. It's probably more fun than the Cordoba. Yeah. Um, the problem is that the Cordoba, like lemons loves Cordobas. How could um, they not? Right. Yeah. And, and, and when Cordoba came out, there was like some commercial where it was like Cordoba. And, and so every time they mention it in one of their wrap up videos, they always play that clip. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't get behind it. Maybe it's a generational thing, but I, I think I'd crush the Cordoba. Okay. Okay. And you just have to do it away from Judge Phil and all of those folks. You don't see it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's that, a Nova? Maybe sell it to another Lemons team. (laughs) There you go. No cheating. No cheating. Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Dave, what will you do? You know. You like a big, long, personal coupe. Yeah, I do. I love, you know, I... I have a big old Lexus LS, you know, so I want something that is an issue when it comes to parking. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't know. I'm digging this uh, Mercury Grand Marquis and Mint Green. Um, I, think, I think I would daily that. And then I think, or, yeah, I think I would, just for a day, I would drive the Ford Fairlane. I'm trying to think of the oldest car I've ever driven. I'll have to think on that. And then I think I will also have to crush the Cordoba as well. I mean, it's a rough era for cars. Like I get in that and I think of like riding with the grandpa that I didn't like, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's, there's a reason all of these cars won IOE, right? Like there, none of them are especially great. Yeah. This was like the, like, the the obligation grandparents versus the fun grandparents that's like the chrysler cordoba <laughs> yeah the, the grand marquis has probably one of the worst faces of a panther though like yeah pre is that pre-facelift or something because it just looks frumpy yeah you know i don't know i don't know if the mercury did get oh it did get a facelift a yeah bit. yeah because it was more crown vic before yeah, and okay, then it, yeah. It, it, they like kind of like narrowed it into, yeah, I don't know. Into it's an odd. old person's car, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I, whatever, whatever we get, we need lights on the B pillars. We need some kind of illumination on the B pillars. That just needs to make a comeback. I'm gonna start advocating for that. <laughs> that and Landau tops. That's my. That's gonna be my. Uh, you know. Nonprofit, uh, get, yeah, yeah. Get the get the Grand Marquis and put a half Landau on the Grand Marquis. That'll look great. Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what what is the oldest car that you've driven? You two. I'm trying to think of the oldest car I've driven. Um, I think for. <laughs> so I met through a friend, 
a uh, a very rich old lady, old lady, and she liked me, and she let me drive. Uh, she she got a bunch of uh, very very nice cars in a divorce, and I got to drive her 1965 Aston Martin DB5, um, which is like an absurd old car to, to throw out on the table. But I think that might be the oldest car that I've that I've driven. Yeah, mine's a race car. Okay. Uh, I got to do uh, a couple laps in a Formula V. So, I don't know, pick a year of Volkswagen Beetle. And oh, yeah, that, yeah. That was, that was the year of the, the race car. Um, I used to crew for, uh, at in Colorado, we have something called Rocky Mountain Vintage Racing. And, yep, yep. So, probably more like the yellow one. Okay. Um, or or no, this the, guy down here. Uh, yeah, probably the top left. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so that's, that's, um, I used to crew for two of those. And so once a month we'd go out and they'd run and, and we'd, you know, check the oil and make sure their gas was filled up and just generally have a good weekend at the track. And they would do fun runs where they would let passengers, um, in some of the, you know, they'd have like GTOs and Camaros and Mustangs. And so they'd let them in the passenger seat, uh, the workers. And so because these are one seaters and because I had a full driving suit, they let me drive around the track in this. And it was both fun and 100% different than anything else I've ever driven. Okay. Uh, very, very cool. Very cool experience. Nice. Nice. Was it on, was it on slicks? Yeah, but they're like, that wide right uh sim- similar to what you see in the picture um like kind of period correct racing tires yeah yeah okay. and they're, they're restricted well so different different racing organizations with formula v like some of the, some formula v's do hill climbs some race on dirt um these were kind of more period correct so yeah gotcha. wheels and tires. that's awesome man that's yeah. awesome huh. right on yeah Ian, we, we came across somebody that had a Formula V at, at one of our High Plains track days years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, our, our friend Matt used to race Formula Vs too. Um, and he, I, so I sat in hands, but I, I never got to drive it. But uh, yeah. He, the scale is from, crazy. Yeah. So there's yeah. Some, your, your feet are by like the front wheels. Yeah. That's where the pedals are. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And when you're like sitting on the, on the, Four pan, like there's no yeah. actual like. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, on. That's um, awesome. They they are surprisingly cheap. You can buy a running driving race ready Formula V with the trailer because they have special tiny little trailers for them uh, for like <laughs> four or five grand. Oh wow! So, instant race car for less money than lemons. That's for yeah. sure. That's, yeah. I mean, all said and done, that's probably less than I'm going to spend rebuilding my Barth. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Huh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool. Nice. All right. So, so the the truck from here on out. So, I mean, we know that there's things that need to be fixed, right? There's like, yeah. You know, some some braking issues. Some there's probably a new clutch in order, and. Uh, <laughs> Don't give them a list, Ian. Our podcast is not assigned Brian work. Yeah. You, you want to see a spreadsheet? I'll show you yeah. a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
But I mean, just generally, you know, we don't have to go through everything, but yeah, you know, kind of generally, like, what do you want? What's your goal with the with the truck? Yeah, so immediate goal is to get it ready to be on the track again. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I have a race car that I can't take to a track day, um, which is super bummer. Um, yeah, you can see the Volvo uh, 544 uh, next to my uh, side mirror in that picture. Yeah. That was a fantastically huh? fast car. Um, very briefly, it was very fast. Yeah, like for like two laps and then it would come in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so the short list is rear brakes, rear end, like clutch, like we're taking the engine out and we have another engine that we want to rebuild so that we have two that we can swap back and forth. Um, so when that engine comes out, we'll replace the clutch and put the other engine in. Um, that's the short list. That's kind of immediate future. I should be ordering brake parts, um, yesterday. Uh, the plan for that is to match the C5 front brakes with C5 rear brakes. Right now it has a Camaro rear end, but very early third gen. And there's quite a lot of aftermarket support there. So there's websites that you can convert like that third gen rear end to any brake uh, combo that oh, has awesome. existed in the Chevy land and aftermarket as well. Um, so because I have C5s in the front, I'm picking that to match the rear because um, less engineering will go into it that way. Um, we're going to put new masters in. Uh, I'm tempted to put in a dual master setup with a proportioning bar. Um, there's one sitting right next to the truck from my friend Dave. He was like, oh, this is my old setup. This is what we ran. You should install this. And I'm like, okay. All right. So then that would give you like front rear bias adjustments? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so each, your brake pedal goes between both master's rods and there's like a clevis pin on it. And the, the bar that, the, that it pushes on, you can like slant it basically okay. so that it pushes more on one cylinder than the other right my best explanation of that sure, um, sure. but they're two completely separate masters right and so they'll, they'll push fluid into the two separate lines as well wow that's awesome okay yeah um, right on yeah that'd be great i like I, I still, I've, I've, real quick like i've always admired like chevy like small pick em up truck big engine swap right yeah. like i i grew up driving nissan pickup trucks and it was like my dream to do some kind of swap in those when i was younger and i never had the ability or money or anything like that to ever do it and so like i've always pined for like some kind of mini truck with some kind of v8 or just some kind of ridiculous motor and so like it's so great to see this like just be such a, a modular platform that you can just slam stuff into like that. It's it's really good. And it's like, Ian and I were talking about it, like on paper, like this is a winning formula. It stinks that like it fell off a freaking trailer. <laughs> like, you know, like some of these like circumstances that you've had to deal with, it's like, that's why you won IOE, man. Like this persistence is so valuable. And yeah, no, it, it's admirable. And, and it's really, really cool to see, Brian, yeah. So Dave, I, I was in your shoes. I the truck was parked essentially where this picture was taken. I walked next to the van behind it before I ever owned it, and I looked to my right and I was like, "Oh man, that is cool." Right. And then six months later, it ended up on Facebook Marketplace, and I was like, 
that's my truck. Add to cart. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And then, and then I, I started talking to other lemons, people that had been around a little bit longer than I had that had experienced it more than I had, you know, they were, they had firsthand knowledge of it. And they're like, man, that thing is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you guys think about that truck? Oh, that awful thing. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I just bought it. I just bought it. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, I had that conversation with one of the judges when I first bought it, like, uh, what class is this going to be in? And they're like, there's no way we're ever going to put this in class B. Like this truck is hopeless. And I was like, perfect. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that, at least that's the right reputation to have going into it. Yes. Not yes. Be a, a person that's like, oh, this truck is going to dominate. Right. Right. In a different class. No, I yeah. like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Really cool, man. Yeah. I, I still think like it's a worthy goal to be the first ever car to win ioe and then win overall because it's never happened i think we're gonna have to put boost <laughs> <laughs> yeah and boost brings boost problems boost does bring boost problems especially over a 24-hour race that might be that might be a yeah. bad idea yeah. <laughs> yeah um i mean you saw how fast max's purple miata was that thing yeah. came up in your mirrors and you got out of the way oh yeah it was so yeah. fast um, there's that, there's the, uh, the Miata that has the Cadillac North star engine in it. Oh um, my Lord. You're kidding me. No, that's, that's one overall. They, they were in class C when they won overall. And so okay. they got bumped to a immediately. Sure. And, sure. um, they had engine issues at our race, so they weren't competitive. We only saw them. I don't know if you ever saw them on your stints. Um, but they're as fast as Max's car. Um, so there's, there's some pretty. The stars would have to align for us to get overall. Yeah. Um, I think we'll get a couple like class C and class B wins. And then, yeah, we can see where things go from there. Right. Yeah. Or, or turbocharge it. I, I, Joe has traditionally said no immediately, but after this event, he didn't say no as quickly. So. <laughs> I like so I like that you're keeping down. track of like the the chill yeah. response. That's good, and yeah. that the question's getting asked after each race. So how about now? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's like a cheap turbocharger kit. You know, I don't I don't have I don't need a big turbocharger. I I honestly have one for Masab that you can just have if you'd like. Hey, yeah. Give me a couple psi. Oh yeah, I mean this thing was cranking like twenty, so you're gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of Mitsubishi ones lying on the shelves, but those are, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth, like you, you want like a, a T4, like anything that'll uh, made up to a T4 manifold, which is like all yeah. the eBay ones. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the solution. Yeah. Mine's a Mitsubishi. It's a TDO4 from the v- Saab Vigan. Yeah. 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 I have a couple 14 Bs uh, sitting yeah. on my shelf. Right. Welcome to Turbo Talk, everybody. I'm Dave. <laughs> Numbers and letters. Yep. Talking T's. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. No. This is this is great, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to when I can crew. Um, yeah. I like. I have. I so like. I don't watch sports. I don't like care for racing. I'm a bad automotive journalist, and that like I just I don't do any of it. I don't like. I don't care. So. But like when Ian and I went out to Road America and we were competing in 
the lemons or uh, champ car out there. Like I've never been more invested. I was glued to the timing sheet and just like so in. And so like when when you take a ginger out of his normal routine of playing bleep bloop music and doing what he does, yeah. right? Like and put him in that setting, like I am all in, man, and I love it. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that everybody on the teams are invested. And that's like where, where Lemon shines is because all the teams are super invested. Yeah. Like they're all they're all battling their battle. And you get a little glimpse of it like in when you're in these carports where the truck's parked in this picture, there's there's someone right next to you. Right. And they're battling their battle and you overhear their problems and you're you're either like, you know, can I help them? Um, we, we all have our own downtime. So like yeah, everybody gets invested. They're all they're all having fun and they're all fighting their challenges, which is pretty cool. That's that's great, man. That's great. Like uh like a step back from Sisyphean and like, you know, just big challenges and like everybody's kind of in an element of it together. Like yeah. I lo- I love that. That's so well, great. And- the other thing that was really cool too is that like we all had we we're all bringing different experience levels and different kind of skill sets to the to the team and it was cool that I feel like everybody helps someone else with something like someone everyone was able to answer a question for someone else uh, about something it was great um, yeah. like we all kind of figured out our little niches like pretty quickly um, and just kind of fell into our little roles it was cool. Yeah, the team melded really well this time. That's awesome. I, I I do have uh Ian sent me this picture and uh I am concerned about tire management <laughs> and I would prefer if you did not kill my hairy friend. <laughs> yeah. We probably happened. we probably should have had rotate tires on the list. I would have taken time, man. Yeah. yeah. But that's the only tire that did that. Yeah. Um I've post race. We're speculating that it was the fact that I put poly bushings on the upper control arms, and I did not get around to putting poly bushings on the lower control arms. Um, we think that that could have helped that problem along. Okay. Um, there's a significant amount of rear camber, and and basically the the way that these like these and like every '80s Chevy vehicle has these control arms that like you can shim them so that like here's your mm-hmm. outside of the vehicle your frame rail and this control arm you just shim it further in and i've shimmed it like an inch further <laughs> in on the top and so now at this point you know i was talking to joe i was like are they are the judges going to care if i go like tubular adjustable a arms like that's very race car and he was like yeah, i did it <laughs> And they gave me grief the first time they saw them, but like I, I, I had this problem. I, I was going through tires in a kind of dangerous fashion, um, far too regularly. I needed to fix the problem, and I was like, okay, you know, that's probably in the truck's future as well. Yeah, so, just show them this picture when you show them the new suspension parts. True, with the, with the IOE patch, right? right? I need to keep that. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, this fantastic. is great. This is great, so, man. Since the event, the next weekend I head off, but then the weekend after that I did rally cross, and that's in my Mini Cooper, um, stock Mini Cooper, fantastic front wheel drive rally cross car. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. And then uh, 
and I like daily, I daily drive it. I didn't mean to like buy a daily drive car. I, I bought like a beater rallycross car and now all my other cars need maintenance stuff done or not preventative maintenance, like real maintenance stuff. So I can't drive any of them. So I'm driving my rallycross car to and from work and I like drove it, drove it to the track, uh, this, uh, at, at the lemons event. So it's been a fantastic car. Um, that was what he slept in, by the way. Oh, the wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I learned the passenger seat is more comfortable than the trunk. Oh. Okay. Okay. Good yeah. Um, and then I had this weekend off, and then the next weekend I'm doing a hill climb. Okay. Uh, and hill climbs are all dirt. Uh, there's about like four or five venues that Colorado has, and they're all over the state of Colorado, generally not near Denver, um, somewhere in the mountains. And... Uh, their courses range from like a four-minute run to a six or seven-minute run. Okay. Um, so, so they're pretty long, and right. they go up the side of a mountain on most of them. Yeah. And uh, hill climb, Colorado Hill Climb Association has a bunch of different classes. They have like classic, you know, Camaros, Broncos, uh, S10s with like big, big blocks and yeah. massive rear tires. Um, very redneck. Um, they have a bunch of open wheel racers that, you know, have big V8s in the back or sometimes, you know, a, a Ford Taurus show engine. Um, so a bunch of different classes. They also have a rally class. So anybody that's built a car for stage rally can go do these hill climbs and they're more local events. So uh, I co-drive for those. I read the notes. Nice. And so I tell the drivers what corners are coming up, how tight they are and what corner is at the next corner, right? So so can they go wide open throttle when they're staring at a corner where it looks like there's a, well, there is a cliff on the other side and it's a blind corner because there's a big cliff on the inside, you know, can can they take this without lifting? And I'm, I'm saying, okay, this, this corner isn't that tight. You can take it without lifting. So they're going faster around this course because I'm telling them what's coming up next. Well, that sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> I haven't gone. Uh, I've, I've I've rolled before. Okay. Um, I was in the passenger seat. I called the notes. It was a a right three, so like a ninety degree right turn, and the driver took the racing line instead of the rally line, which mm. you apex later in the rally line, so that if you do slide, you have room to slide, and so he slid back off the corner exit. He slid the the, the rear of the car. It dropped off the road, Oof. and um, and we hit a bush. So, so the bush flipped us, and uh, and I, I we we flipped two and a half times. Ended up on our uh, on our, on my door, and so we had to crawl out his window. Wow. And uh, but besides that, I haven't gone off. No, no, like side of the mountain, offs like that. And um, generally, it's it's a fun experience for near free. It's like the cheapest way to get your your dirt racing. Uh, itch scratched is uh, being a co-driver. Okay. Okay. Do you, I mean, how, with the first time you did that though, was it like, I mean, I imagine that to be super scary. I'm a shit passenger. He's the worst passenger, Brian. <laughs> I'm a terrible yeah. passenger. But, or are you just like so concentrating on the notes that you don't even process the. Not many people can co-drive. So there's people that like get car sick. So take them out of the equation yeah. people that like don't have the nerves they're they're freaked out by it take them out um that's the majority of people to be honest but it's like as a co-driver you are you have your head down and you're in the notes 
most of the time. You're glancing up to figure out where you are approaching a corner so that you can time the next note, but then you're looking back down um, and reading them. It depends on how tight the turns are too. They can be continuous and you're, yeah. you're kind of like guessing where you are. And sometimes you get lost in the notes compared to reality. Like someone will be like, hey, we're not there yet. Like stop reading, right. wait. Or sometimes they'll be like, we're in that turn. You know, you're <laughs> calling the turn as they're like going around it. Um, so then you have to start speeding up without looking. <laughs> um, I like it because I'm used to, like with Rallycross, I have good car control, especially on dirt. And so in, except for like, well, in most cars, I can anticipate the driver input because I've been in cars enough that I, I know when they should hit the brakes while I'm looking at that turn. Like and what I know that, that like, setup feels like, right? Yeah, when you're sliding and then it hooks and then what, what it's, you know, they're going to get on the gas. And so by anticipating what's going to happen, I'm usually pretty calm and fine with it. It's when like they're breaking later than I would. I'm like, Ooh. right. Sure. Yeah. This is, or like sometimes when we're sliding out and I don't know if the car is going to hook, like if we're sliding, you know, we're making a left turn. And so the passenger side is going towards the edge of the road and we are sliding sideways and we're already past the apex. I'm like, okay. And we, we hooked like <laughs> there is a moment where I'm like, oh, this might not go well, but I have a lot of, and it might be false trust. I have a lot of like trust in the safety equipment. Mm. Have the Hans devices. We have the fire suits. We have the roll cages and their rally roll cages. So if we went off the side of the road or into a tree, I'm pretty confident that maybe it's not good, but that that I'm going to get out of the vehicle. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. One thing I've always wondered about the the pace notes thing too is like you know, when you develop the pace notes and then the, the conditions change, like the temperature swings wildly or there, or it rains or whatever, like that's gotta be super challenging too. Or are you able to kind of like triangulate between like, you know, the dry condition and then when it rains or whatever? Well, I'm not the driver, so I don't have to do that. My pace notes never change. Um, but I can imagine that like, the drivers are familiar with their car and what it's going to do for that type of turn. They know what turns coming up now that I've read it. So like an R3 doesn't change because it's wet. It's still, it's like the, the, it's technically the amount you turn the wheel. Like this is a three, whereas like oh. this is a four, this is a five, it's, you know, whatever. Um, and so it's like the tighter the turn, the, the, the more you're turning the wheel. So that doesn't change, but some drivers, and I've heard pros and cons on this. Some drivers, when they read the notes, they'll make the notes so that the turn is read as being tighter than what it is. So that they go around it more cautiously than what they need to. Um, and I've heard pros and cons on that. Hmm. Um, gotcha. I'm trying to think of a, yeah. I didn't realize, I always thought that the, the number was either, was like, basically like how fast you could go. And so that Severity. number would be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes, like, makes sense. An R6 is like a, a light, like jog. Mm -hmm. You don't have to lift for an R6, but you do have to lift for a five. So it does translate in the driver's head with that. Like they, I'm convinced they have selective hearing. It's kind of like right six, left six, right six. And, and they, they, they hear that on some level, but they're kind of just following the road. 
and then when they hear like then left three over crest right two like they hear the three and the two and that's like it triggers like an alert in their head right Mm -hmm. that makes sense gotcha have you ever driven to notes have you done just uh sims one night at Giannis's house uh we were drinking beers no but that's that's it it does make sense now that I've read notes and then I wrote, and then I did the Sims, I was like, Oh, this is way easier. <laughs> yeah. When I was, when I was playing a bunch of Sim rally stuff, I think it was Colin McRae. Like I was repeating the pace note back to make sure it registered because like that, like that active listening while driving is a whole nother skill. And so like, you know, um, Nikki Grist would like, you know, his voiceover in the game would say, you know, like, you know, two over crest, you know, not two over crest, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was parroting everything back to try to make sure I was processing it. Yeah. The, what I do when I'm reading notes too is I'll repeat at a lower volume. Uh, you know, I'll say like uh, right six, left six, right six into left two. And so we'll, we'll do all the sixes, which are basically like a, a, a quick S. And I'll be like, and we're, and we're approaching that left two now, you know, like, or gotcha. repeat left two, uh, coming into that left two, you know, so I'll do that so that, especially the ones that I want them to be paying attention to, I don't care if they hear my sixes, they, they can see those just fine. But if they're coming in hot into a, a really tight turn, I want them to know it's coming up. Nice. Smart. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, we, you're the first co-driver we've ever had on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think if Ian and I were to start a rally team, I think I'd have to default into co-driver um, uh, position uh, because he'd just be too terrified. And then we would probably roll the car immediately from the start. <laughs> my first run at my first event that I was uh, this year, it wasn't my first co-driving event. It was my second one, um, but but we rolled, and it was like, it was a practice run. Okay. <laughs> oh no! And the poor guy is, um, he's been on my lemons team before. Um, he he wasn't running in September because uh, he was at a hill climb event in his car that he rebuilt after he rolled it. But it was his first event, his first run. Oh. and he got halfway up and rolled it. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, my heart broke for him because he, he bought the car to learn how to do it and kind of worst-case scenario there. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible, man. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. Well, um, let's, let's figure out an up note to go out on instead yeah. of your buddy rolling his car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. The next event's uh, Monarch, and I'll be racing in an Evo 3. I think it's oh. an Evo 3. Okay. And, um, mostly stock, but built in Canada and built for rally. And it's a fantastic, fun, kind of like historic rally car that uh, we're going to buy for second place. I'm going to shoot for second on this one. So That's nice. awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how that goes. And... Um, I'm sure hopefully we can get some wrenching time on it on the truck soon too. Cause I'm excited to, to keep working on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Like getting to know you and getting to know like the, this little like world that you live in of like rally and rally cross and all that. Yeah, stuff. man. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dave, if people enjoyed this, what should the, what should they do? 
Uh, yeah, Ian, they should definitely subscribe to us on YouTube. They should call the Apex Adjacent Crisis Line, 720-515-1391. If you see a weirdo out there with a vanity plate that just makes no sense or upsets you in some fundamental way, text, take a picture of it, text it to us, and we'll talk about it. Yes. Uh, 720-515-1391. Yeah, so, so do those things. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you. We love you. Goodbye.